This is football. I'm Kevin Clark. Patrick Darty joins me momentarily to go through the best and worst coaches so far of 2023. This is a rollicking conversation. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, want to do something quick on Brock Purdy. The is Brock Purdy getting enough credit discourse has swallowed itself. Um, and I think we're doing it a week early. The Cowboys quit and the Niners offense showed them that they're not the team they think they were. Uh, they thought they were or what I thought they were or what millions of Cowboys fans thought they were like. They're not on the top tier. We know that. And as soon as the arm punt happened in the second half, Dak and, and the rest of the team was like, yeah, we're good. We'll, we'll see you later. That includes the defense. Um, it's incredible that the Niners needed no extra effort to take out like Micah Parsons out of the game. That's incredible. But the Cowboys are not on the same level as the Browns defense. And that's the defense they're facing this week. A couple things to know. First of all, Kyle Shanahan said it's their offense's biggest challenge. That's true. Browns defense first in EPA per play, first against the pass, second against the run. Um, against motion, they're averaging, allowing 4.5 yards per attempt against runs with motion. And Kyle Shanahan averages a yard and a half more. The Browns defense is allowed, by the way, 1.4 yards per attempt without motion. So you're going to have to use motion, but even then, it's just okay. This is going to be massive. Um, the Browns' third three and out percentage is astounding. It is so much better than anybody in the league. Miles Garrett is a legitimate game wrecker, and Jim Schwartz's ability to get him in pure pass rushing situations, even with motion, even with misdirection, doesn't matter. He's going to get in the backfield. He's going to get upfield. So this, to me, is Brock Purdy's biggest test. Um, but then beyond that, even if he has, even if it was like Tom Brady out there on Sunday. We still have a long time to go in this discourse. And remember, everyone's talking about Tua, and Tua's in a very similar situation, except he was a top 10 pick. But Tua's been doing it now for over a year. He's been the best against every single coverage you can imagine. Man zone, every, every type of zone. Um, like, there's a real track record here. Brock Purdy's been doing it for significantly less. Has not been a full year. It's been a winter into now an early fall. Um, so we have a long way to go on that. And I would just caution, like the MVP talk is extremely premature. Let's play a game. If Brock Purdy is the MVP, would Kyle Shanahan trade him for anybody? I bet he would for the rest of the season. I bet he would. I'd be a lot of quarterbacks. So he's Brock Purdy can't be the most valuable right now. If we get to a point where that's no longer true, then yeah, he is the most valuable. We can't turn the MVP into the Heisman where it's just the, the quarterback on the best team. Can't do it. By the way, the Heisman looks like she go to Brock Bowers right now. Um, but we can't do that, where team wins a bunch of games and we say, okay, this guy gets, that's the Heisman. Um, we can't do that. And so let's pump the brakes. The discourse has gotten, and like the whole thing, the Niners fans be like, give him credit, give him credit. Oh, he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, guess what? Jimmy Garoppolo is not good. So congratulations. I'm glad he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. So we can at least start the discussion about how good he is. But Jimmy Garoppolo was bad too. That's why Kyle Shannon kept trying to replace him. And successfully did it. So let's just pump the brakes in the discourse. Shanahan praise in the next segment. Here's Patrick Darty. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, use the code OmahaFull. 
and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, you keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and up only, offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. New users and first $10 wager only, must wager with eligible promo code BET amount of qualifying wager return only if wager is settled as a loss maximum bonus bet $1,250 bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles see caesars.com slash promos for full terms void where prohibited no when to stop before you start gambling problem arizona call 1-800 next step colorado wyoming kansas affiliated with kansas crossing casino call 1-800-522-4700 indiana call 1-800-9 with it Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Hannah's New Orleans. Maine, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-888-427-426-2537 or West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. All right, Patrick Darty's here, host of my favorite fantasy football podcast. I don't listen to, I don't, excuse me, I don't play fantasy, so I don't listen to that many. I listen to you guys and then my co-favorite show, The Ringer Fantasy Football Show with my guys. Um, and so I just want to, I just want to have fun with my friends when I'm listening to a, to a podcast like that. I'm not trying to get upset about Falcons running back usage like you guys, um, but I do get vicariously upset. Um, through you guys what's going on buddy not much and yeah i mean our mission for the show is it, it can be for ball knowers it can be for non ball knowers we don't want it to be a clown show but we want to have fun <laughs> and i always tell people you know no one's ever going to pull over the car or like write down a stat even though we have lots of like very esoteric stats on the show and we just try to have a good time and i'm very glad have you ever pulled over your car for like a for anything that's ever been said on a podcast or the radio? <laughs> Paul, I was like, could tell I was about to faint. I pull over, uh, yeah, on the side of Interstate 70 here in the St. Louis metropolitan region, and just like take ten minutes to regroup. I have never done that. When I when I was really young, our next door neighbors told me a story about how they exposed their they had like a hippie grandma who lived in Asheville, North Carolina, and they exposed her for the first time to Jeff Foxworthy. You might be a redneck jokes, (laughs) and she thought she she was laughing so hard she had to pull over. And so that's always stuck in my head that that was that was the cultural shock that led to it. It was like one of those like YouTube like like this guy hears Pink Floyd for the first <laughs> yeah, time type yes, of videos, yes, yes, Jeff yes. Foxworthy videos, uh, jokes. And then I actually had to pull over one time when I was in college when Lebetard did a bit the day the Mitchell Report came out. Oh boy! And uh, I was early in college. I just moved down to South Florida, and he was doing this report where they would just do this bit where they would just do random like new segments, just like not about the Mitchell report. And then Levitard would yell random people in the Mitchell report <laughs> to make fun of how ludicrous it was. And then he would play the, the, the theme from a current affair that was like, it was a hard hitting thing. So it was like, he would yell like FP Santangelo. And then they would do that. And it was such an involved bit. It made me laugh so much. I had to pull over. Uh, so that's uh, those, that's the only time I've ever had to pull over. Mike Timlin 
Um, I never had to pull over for a podcast, <laughs> but I've had. This is radio. This is when Leopard yeah. was on terrestrial radio. Yeah. This was and local radio at that. No, seven ninety the ticket. Never pulled over for a podcast, but no offense to the Ford Motor Company. My family was a Ford family, and they were turning out a lot of lemons around the turn of the century. Ah. So I had to pull over all the time because we were always driving like Ford Tauruses that were just breaking down for no reason, but. Uh, the Ford has really improved its product, I must say, in the past 15 years. How are you liking the baseball? Uh, a lot. It's weird because I live and die with the St. Louis Cardinals. I would give anything for them to be in the playoffs, but it is certainly much more enjoyable in some ways. They're not in the playoffs where you know, I view like every single pitch as a referendum on me personally. And I, I take mm-hmm. It's like the my, kind of my last bastion of homerism, that in Mizzou athletics and I just live and die with it to definitely an unhealthy degree. Like my, it's the kind of thing where my kids who will, will see me like yelling at the television and I'm not normally that kind of person, but I'm like a TV yeller. I'm a pacer. Uh, so it's been, it's nice. It's, I would rather have them in there, but it's not, it's not bad to have a break for a year or two. Um, and- my dorkiest thing now in rooting is I realized I only root for like really advanced stats, high leverage plays, but like really like subconsciously. So like Miami will score a big touchdown. I just won't react at all. But then we'll get like a turnover, like in the opponent's 20 yard line. And I'll yell, I'll yell ball yeah. because I know it's a high leverage play. <laughs> yeah. and we're, go- we're going the other way. Um, all right. So uh, real quick though, on the, I will say this on the playoff, my, my only playoffs take is that, um, I, I want to be a baseball dumbass, like because in a direct train to Yankee Stadium. Teddy will will be will probably be a baseball kid. A lot of baseball kids in my neighborhood here in in beautiful Westchester County. Um, and so I want to be a dumbass. I don't want to ever look on like God bless our friends. Got a bunch of my fan graphs. God bless them. Never going to log on. Um, I just want to crack open a cold one and say they can never get the big hit. And the Dodgers helped me so much. The Dodgers <laughs> helped me so much because they can never get the big hit. And it's the one team I'm 100% correct about. No, and it's they are they give so much context. They, they can never get the big hit. They never have the starter go longer than like five innings anymore. Like right. every Dodger starter is going forward. Well, they're not built for the playoffs is the problem. No, no, they're not at all. They're like the Billy they're not, Bean. They're, not built. they're like the Billy Bean A's except for <laughs> with a $300 million payroll instead of a $30 million payroll. From twenty years ago. All right, let's get to let's get to what we're actually doing today, um, which is not Lebetard terrestrial radio reminiscences. Um, it's uh, it's it's the best and worst coaches of twenty twenty three so far. We're at uh, I don't know what we'd call it. We're past the quarter pole. I know the, 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 the eighteen weeks, seventeen games is just totally screwed up. You can't the quarter pole lingo has just been totally retired. And you're like, yeah, we're kind of – people, I think, have settled on. We're almost a third of the way through, I think, is what people have settled on. I saw a sports scientist the other day kind of describing exactly what we're doing, where it's like, well, it's four and a, it's four <laughs> weeks no. and a half. Some best performers through – like, giving out the MVP awards and stuff. They didn't really know what to say. Um, all right. So we're going to go through – we have six categories here. Uh, let's not, I don't think there's a reason to do, like – first coach fired or, or like, you know, coach of the year predictions, all that stuff. Cause that stuff will be baked into our analysis over the next, um, hopefully <laughs> over the next Ron Rivera. So it'd by be the funny way. if we, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll start here. The best coach so far in 2023 has been whom? List the time of year where you can like name six or seven candidates. I thought about Mike McDaniel. I thought about Dan Campbell. I'll instead go with my sworn enemy who I complain about nonstop because I don't really enjoy watching his offenses all that much. And he makes me so mad in fantasy. But if Kyle Shanahan has us debating the very final pick of the 2022 NFL draft, (laughs) like whether or not Brock Purdy is elite, 
I'd say he's not or elite, even good at all. I, mean, I I come down the side. I don't even know. I don't even know if he's good. If you're a good enough coach where you have the literal final pick of the draft generating fierce debate the following year, you're probably doing a pretty good job. And a roster that they got ready in almost every phase except for quarterback. And the only way that the roster could be ready was if the coach does like the all-time greatest job coaching this guy up, making him like a cog in his machine. That was like the only way they could have success. And he he pulled it off. Like this is just like – I think Shanny – he already knows he's like the scheme guy. Like no one can scheme an mm-hmm. offense better than Shaney. I think he wanted to move on from that. He wanted, he understood that scheme can only take you so far. It can only take you to a Jimmy Garoppolo missing Emmanuel Sanders on the deep ball. And he wanted a talent who could actually do some elevating himself. And that's why he made the move for Trey Lance. But then it just didn't work. And he immediately goes back to making literal Brock Purdy a viable NFL quarterback. And I just have to give props to Kyle Shanahan. So the Trey Lance thing, speaks to something that I've talked about a lot, which is that I do feel like elite, elite coaches get a little bored when someone does exactly what he tells them to do. So like Drew Brees with Sean Payton and Tom Brady with Belichick, they're like, hey, this guy's doing exactly what we want him to do and peak efficiency, but what if we did something weird? <laughs> and that's like how the Taysom Hill thing happens, right? <laughs> and so like Trey Lance obviously in college um, showed potentially and, and there's the idea that it wasn't going to be a scheme fit. It was going to be a scheme expansion, right? That was the big thing, scheme expansion. It's like, wait, why did we need to expand the scheme? Why did we need to do that? I don't know if there's ever been more instant regret. And the injuries, of course, played a part in it. But, like, Kyle Shanahan seemed over that pick by, like, October of 2021. And, like you said, he got 100%. bored. Then he realized he was not bored at all and that he does want to control <laughs> every literal aspect of the offense. And he just wants someone to push the button. I I kind of liken the 49ers going back to baseball. You know how now these days, like managers are essentially just like Ottomans of the front office. I don't know if I even use that word correctly, but like managers are just every move is controlled by the front office. Shanahan is part of a a school of coach in the NFL that I think is almost creating like a front office manager dynamic between the coach and the quarterback. That's kind of how I view Shanny, like that he's like Brian Cashman just ordering down to Aaron Boone, like, yeah, you got to put in this reliever now. And that's how he feels to me with Brock Purdy. And it's working. I, I got, I've got to say, not to, this is the last baseball thing I'm going to say, it's because I live right near Yankee Stadium. Every single person online or in real life is like, I hate Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone yes. more than any human being on the planet. <laughs> I know. And then... Like anytime I read like a news outlet, it's just like no changes expected, not even being considered. <laughs> you should, you probably have. You should wade into Yankees Twitter. Let's just say uh, they were wow. not, they were not low key in August and September. They were very, very high key about their feelings about Brian Cashman and Aaron. It's like the Matt Millen era, except <laughs> Brian Cashman accidentally <laughs> has a couple rings. Um, all right, so mine's Mike McDaniel, only because, and maybe this is unfair, like. Coach of the year, and again, I said we're not predicting this, but like it's always a surprise award, right? It's always like how much did you improve a guy? And like all three phases seem good. Like the Dolphins defense will get better when Jalen Ramsey gets there. Vic Fangio normally takes a while to get a little better. And hiring Vic Fangio to begin with to raise the floor of the defense is really good. But the offense right now is just outrageous. Um, They're averaging 8.4 yards per play on first down. On first down. So they're they're averaging – basically a second and one, which allows so many different things available to you in the offense. Um, 
And I was going to say, like, oh, they can just go deep on every second down, but they just do that. Any, they would do that anyway, and it would be successful. Um, their after-the-catch performance is so much better than anybody else in football, and I believe the Bears are second, which shows you that like there's just this group of teams that are just totally average after the catch, and then there's the Miami Dolphins. The Bears can also thank um, Emmanuel Forbes for that last week and his tackle attempts. On that's DJ correct. Moore. That's correct. And obviously, listen, the Niners know how to find space as well as anybody, but like I, I'm just stunned at the rise into the elite that the that the Dolphins have done. And and so for me, it's like if I were to show you the tiers, the agreed upon tiers that we're all thinking about right now which is the top teams in the NFL are like the chiefs are basically grandfathered in. Right. Um, are you still putting the bills in there with the injuries? I am. Because well, it's weird. I feel like they're finding their identity on offense again after they had an identity crisis last year. But yeah, every week, like a new like pro bell level player, like at each level, the defense gets hurt. But uh, I don't yes. know. Every, that's, every team will have those level of injuries though by December and the bills are just sure. regressing. The well, the problem is Milano was the dolphin stopper. Yeah, he was. He is a lot of hard. things stopper. That's that one, okay. That so great. anyway, so let's, let's put them for the sake of this exercise. Let's put the bills in there. So chiefs, bills, Eagles, Niners. And that's probably it for me from the top, top tier. And then the Miami dolphins. So like, if you're seeing that on July 15th, and you're like, what happened here? Like, how did they get in this tier? Like, that to me is is coaching. Um, and that's why I'm giving him the edge right now. I just think he's done the best job. I think that we're seeing, like, I mean, without injuries last year, he, he could have done uh, something. He could have won a couple of playoff games last year. They almost year. Like, won he, a road playoff astounding... game with Skylar yes. Thompson last year. That's exactly right. And- like he is an astoundingly good coach. Yeah, my thing on McDaniel. So first, just to jump a little ahead, you we were going to maybe talk about a really specific coaching move we've liked this year, and mine was Mike McDaniel uh, just making up a new position. I would say I don't know if I've ever seen the position <laughs> before where you get a running back to like the top speed of a golf cart before the ball is even snapped, <laughs> and then you snap him the ball behind the line of scrimmage, and he just instantly goes seventy yards. Like to me, that is by far well, the best thing any coach has done this year. I want to put a pin in that because we're going to talk about that for category three. I have a lot of thoughts about that, especially with the track record of making up positions, which has never once worked no. in the history of football. The web back but, says uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. The web back. <laughs> we're going to call him a weapon. Um, all right. Let's let's move on to most surprising coach, which, again, I mean, like I can say it's my opinion. It's not for me. But what do you got? Was this was I took this. It could be positive or negative. I'm 100 percent going in the negative direction of Bill Belichick. And it's not that I think yes. Bill Belichick is suddenly like bad or even that I necessarily think he's washed. But is Bill Belichick having absolutely nothing has really, really surprised me. And to see the Patriots just get truly blown out in back-to-back weeks and just by teams that aren't even elite like the Cowboys and the Saints are very much like the middle of the pack above average I view them as like nine or nine and eight ten and seven teams did I see Bill have no answers Bill failed a really really important test over the offseason I don't I don't think Bill is like getting exposed or anything like that but it was a clear moment in time where Bill he's almost never been confronted with this he had to go outside his coaching tree I thought to get an offensive coordinator, to do something to revitalize, modernize, whatever you want to call it with his offense. But instead, he just kept going back to like his not failed ex-assistants, but ex-assistants that aren't really coming to town with the juice. 
And I thought it was a moment where he really needed, he needed. They're not failed, but they're not, not. Failed. Yeah, exactly. They're not, they haven't yeah. not failed. He needed to follow the trends. He needed to want to, for once be a trend follower and tap into that Shanny tree, mm-hmm. tap into that McVay tree. And instead he just went back to the only thing he knows. And it's just working so, so horribly. It was, it, it was his test of the 2023 season. He failed it before the year even began. And now it's going even worse than I could have possibly imagined. All right, so I completely agree with you. If Bill Belichick weren't Bill Belichick, he would love to face Bill Belichick right now. <laughs> exactly. How predictable he is, right? And the other thing I keep saying is like he's lucky that his boss isn't Bill Belichick because he'd be like, well, this guy, this guy's out of ideas. Next, let's bring in Shane Steichen or whatever, you know, something like that. So, um, all right, I have a couple here and, and, and we'll run through it. First of all, on the surprising end, D'Amico Ryans. Yes. Um, I didn't think they'd be this competitive – this quickly and um i thought they were accelerating the timeline and they did like when they, you, you obviously trade next year's pick for winners and all that stuff but i thought that was gonna fail like i knew what they were doing like you ever see like all right this is the plan but it's not gonna work right like uh one time the magic traded uh for bismack biombo oh yes or sorry they traded for serge Ibaka first and then they had serge Ibaka and bismack biombo on the same roster and the whole thing was like, well, everybody's going small. We're going to go big. We're going to go big. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's like, I see the, I see what you're doing, but it's a bad plan. Yes. It's a bad process. I see a process, but and there's like three things, right? There's like the teams with no process, the teams with a good process, and the teams who just have a really, really well thought out process, just really bad. Um, and so I thought the Texans were in the Biombo zone, and they're just not. They're like a good, they're good team building something right now yeah the texans has trading up for an edge ever worked i just feel like that i feel like trading up for something is not a quarterback trading up for a quarterback quite often does not work trading up for an edge has literally never worked so will anderson works that'll be something and d'amico he was the new hire with the most unknown upside in a group that was what like sean payton frank reich a couple eagles guys i thought d'amico i the the buzz in d'amico was like positive in a way that i could tell wasn't just like agent speak. I, I could tell like the league yeah. was really excited about D'Amico Ryan's getting a head coaching job. So I was optimistic from that perspective, but it just didn't seem like it didn't seem like this would be a team with two 20 coaches, point wins so far. Oppos- opposing coaches really respect D'Amico Ryan's. And I think a lot of times, like there's two types of I respect you coaches. There's one that's like old timer who's ready to like get his turn. You know, yeah, like yeah, oh, yeah, this yeah. guy's put in put in the years. It's time for him to get one. And there's one that's like this guy builds a game plan that keeps me up at night. <laughs> and they'd rather other coaches would rather have the first group be populate the NFL. Um, all right. So then I have a couple others. Uh, I, I honestly have to shout out. Like if you're telling me right now that the Cardinals would have a win over the Cowboys and then only a well, – I'm looking at it right now – only a minus 28-point differential, they're in this thing. They're in this thing. And uh, I think relative to the jokes we made and like I think – is it Chris Long who makes – talks about the meme zone where once you just – you get no pushback – on a joke, people just hammer it yes. like the Dave Gettleman thing. Yes. You can't get out of it no. because it's like, okay, well, Zach Wilson's there now. We're like, you can make any Zach Wilson joke and not one person's going to be like, actually, if you uh, look at this, and it's like, there's no getting out of that zone. You just have to leave the industry. The Jeff no Fisher. Zach Wilson to leave the industry. The Jeff Fisher zone. Jeff Fisher zone. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, so uh, the, Gannon is in that for me where he is he is firmly out of the meme zone um, because he just ha- we didn't have a small enough sample a big enough sample size in the meme zone for him to stay there. Um, and then th- one more bad one. 
So is is Frank Reich just just not gonna not gonna do this? No, he's not. And Frank Reich is he's in a bad place. Or his press conference the other day, where he's basically like, I'm not saying David Tepper is Daniel Snyder, but David Tepper is Daniel Snyder. Like he <laughs> he seems like he is in hell. Where that was as close to a cry for help press conference I think you'll ever see in the NFL, especially in Week Six, where Frank Reich just yeah. seemed like he was. He was almost in physical agony talking about his current situation. I, I just sometimes feel like you, it was like when you uh, when you sign a play, like when Belichick, he would sign like five guys and they'd all hit. They'd be like, you know, they big 34 year olds. Right. And then he'd sign like Ocho Cinco. And it's just like, no, nope, <laughs> no, he's not. Ocho Cinco just doesn't have it. He's not into it. We're done here. He's going to be inactive for a bunch of games. Like sometimes you hire these retread coaches and some of them are like really energized. They learn from their lessons. Frank Reich is just kind of like, oh yeah, I don't want to do this. No, I know. I'm gonna go, <laughs> no, I'm gonna not... <laughs> no, no. To, to make a somewhat obscure reference, he's, he's a bit in like the Carl Havoc zone right now where he does not want to be on the <laughs> Carolina Panther sideline anymore. And uh, he, he's, <laughs> All right. yeah, he's struggling right now. Let's talk about the most hyper-specific good coaching move. Um, you have the floor pass. No, it's again, it's Mike McDaniel. I have never seen. Why have more quarter coaches not had a position where you get the fastest player in the NFL up to full speed before the ball is even Aren't, snapped? I've seen I've seen some cheating allegations on that particular play. Uh, I, I feel like this is a, this is a trend I don't like. It, it, people like Zapruding like. Joy, yeah, yeah, snaps yeah. the left tackle's false starting every time. Like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the ref might know if he was false starting every snap. I'm not really sure about like, like the James. We don't Webb. do false starts anymore. No, we don't. We don't do false starts or delay of game. And to be frank, that's a great innovation. Like, is anyone actually upset about this? Uh, but this, why has someone not gotten the fastest player in the league up to full speed, like literal full speed before the ball is even snapped? Yeah. And then he scores a 72 yard touchdown. I have not seen a better specific coaching move all season than Mike McDaniel creating this position. So there are two things that have never worked. Number one is uh, guys who are quote an offensive no. weapon and they come up with a new name Truly for the position. Works. It's no. never no. worked. It has never worked. The other one is any defensive player who is such a tweener that <laughs> draft podcasts say the first thing I'm going to do if I want this guy on my draft card is I want to hear a plan for my defensive coordinator. <laughs> yes. When that like team should no. scout, you should team should scout for that phrase on a draft podcast, and if they hear it, off the board immediately, but, off the board, because it's never it's never anything other than like he can do two things, and he needs and if and if offenses put him out of his comfort zone, it will not work. Steve Kime took six or seven different shots on that, and kept thinking, but it might work for us each time. And it just never, ever did. And Steve Kipe just had – all he did was just have his defensive coordinator in a lab. Yes, just did. being like, yes, what about yes, this yeah, guy? Yeah. What about Dayon Buchanan? What about that guy? Can, and and the coordinator's like, maybe just get me an support. actual edge. Maybe just get me an actual safety. Like, maybe I can do something with this, but I don't get paid enough for this. I'm a position coach. Um, Hey, I think hiring Jim Schwartz might be one of the best coaching moves in football. But everyone's talking about Vic Fangio. But Jim Schwartz is just like, what if we let all of these good guys on the Cleveland Browns, what if we just had them play well? And that that is getting into the Devin H. hand zone, too. We're like, well, what if we just yes. put Miles Garrett somewhere where the defense or the <laughs> offensive line literally can't block him? Like, how come no one's ever done, right. never done this before? And then no one has blocked him through four games. And I, I'm really looking forward. As a, someone who keeps dabbling in Brock Purdy truthing, 
I am very excited about Miles Garrett facing Brock Purdy. I think we're going to learn a lot on Sunday. Do you know who uh, who Harold Perkins is at LSU? Uh, no, I'm not enough. I don't okay, know enough of the ball. Nowhere. So like, I know that I just lost. Supposed LSU. to be. There you go. He was supposed to be like like uber athlete, one of the best recruits in in recent memory at at, at a outside linebacker. Um, supposed to take a leap into like the top five. Everybody was talking about it. So then week one. Now that I have a venture, vested interest in Florida State versus LSU, I would never root against another team. That would never happen, especially <laughs> a team in the state of Florida. It would never happen. No. Um, but I was watching this game, and Brian Kelly, whoever Brian Kelly's DC is, had Harold Perkins playing like like Fred Warner or something. And it was just like, oh, they're zagging. And it's like, oh, wait, Florida State's going to win by 30 because because he's playing in coverage and he's like doing all this weird off the ball stuff. And it's like, literally, they were just like, I think he rushed the passer like three times. And it was like their big scheme wrinkle. And it was like, what if we just sent that guy at the quarterback instead? And the whole thing was like, well, they don't want the quarterback to run. So we're going to have Harold Perkins spy. And it's like, I have a better idea than spy. What if you try to tackle him in the backfield? <laughs> so, because you have this incredible athlete. Brian Kelly has so been. So that's it. So that's that's modern defensive coordinators, folks. Brian Kelly's been having some innovations in allowing points this year, by the way. Uh, it's bad. Naturally, the first time they stopped anybody was in the second half of the Mizzou game. But uh, I digress. I So I heard someone had told me in football that LSU didn't think they were ready for Florida State. Someone told me that in the summer. Okay, they're coaches. And then I've checked around. People are like, coaches are always bad at this kind of stuff. <laughs> and like, they never really know because they don't really see any other teams. They never really know. Maybe they just have higher standards. Like the old broadcast news thing, right? We're like, am I slipping or is just people with high standards think they're slipping all the time? Um, but it turned out that those coaches just <laughs> saw Brian Kelly and were just like, no, 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 we are, uh, we are not ready. Um, so yeah, so Jim Schwartz to me would be the, uh, a hyper, uh, specific thing. Um, I would say that, uh, Dan Campbell, uh, sending fantasy managers into the abyss with this David Montgomery thing is good. I'd say that, um, I'd say that, uh, the the three and two Atlanta Falcons just driving everybody Ooh. crazy still. What's the status on that? We have Drake London is being uh is being out targeted by like eleven people. He right? is. and they just acquired yet yeah, they're the ones who acquired Van Jefferson, right? Like they're they want to push yeah. him. He is further to fall still, Drake London, and that's really. <laughs> I got to talk about Arthur Smith later in the show too. I'll just be honest. I'm saving an okay. Arthur Smith rant. Great, great. Uh, I'm just going through it here. Um, I don't know, like. Uh, I, the opposite of this award is whatever the Bears have been doing with Justin Fields, where they, for three weeks, were like, the screen game is so close to working. <laughs> it is so <laughs> close to working. And if we call one more screen, that's when it turns on. Yeah, that Matt Eberflus, so, talk about the two kinds of respect, like the young guy who's just, whose climb, time has clearly arrived. And like yeah. Matt Eberflus was the opposite. He was a dues payer. And like uh, he was a coronation of a co coaching career hire. And it turns out that he was already at the top highest rung of the ladder that he should be at, in my opinion. And who knows how much of this is the front office for the Bears. But this yeah. is this kind of like, what do you think is going to happen when you hire Matt Eberflus? Like, does this this guy, is the guy taking your franchise uh, to the next step? And I, I guess they, they pivoted better late than never, where they are now allowing Justin Fields to right. two really good matchups. Might have something to do with that, but they have a third really yeah. good matchup in the Vikings this weekend. I'm just not surprised that the well, Matt Eberflus hire turned out this way. Well, the other thing about Eberflus is it was always like 
the book on him was always like, well, it was a, it was a weird marriage because Josh McDaniel had hired him. Then he goes under Frank Reich and they still make it work. And like, that was the initial surprise that he was, he was thriving in that environment. But like, that's not enough to be like, no, this is the guy. This is the guy. Yeah. It's like a mild surprise that he's pretty good is not enough to sort of buoy yourself into head coaching no. potential. No. And by the way, another hyper specific move I thought has been just the, not that the Eagles have throttled off being like pass heavy, not that they're ever pass heavy to begin with, but the Eagles just moderately struggling, struggling just a little bit with their passing offense. And Nick Sirianni's be like, well, we can be a running game death star too again if we need to be. And it's like, I feel, I see him like tweaking dials and knobs in like real time. And like they'll have two drives where like the passing attack does nothing, two drives where the rushing yeah. attack, I don't know if anyone can adjust week to week or drive to drive still better than Nick Sirianni and the Eagles. I completely agree here. I can't get a handle on the Eagles, but I know that they're, they're, they're in the good process zone for me. Worst coaching job this season. This might be unanimous. Well, no, no, I've got, I'm going to, I'm going to throw you, this is the fantasy guy in me coming out, Uh, but no, listen, I know they're three and two. The Falcons. Oh no! <laughs> just, no, hold on, no, no, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know they're three and two. I know he's he's a ball knower. Arthur Smith does legit no ball, but he's the archetype, of my least favorite type of modern coach, and that is where everything must be in service of the scheme. The scheme can never fail; it can only be failed. Like they resent players who like have the audacity to be good before they show up. Like, if you're fast, that's actually bad. If you're tall, that's <laughs> actually bad. Like, everything has to be about serving the system. And I I just – how does a franchise use three straight top eight picks on a skill player? And then this is yeah. the result of that. I, I – what he's getting – he's getting dubs for now, sort of. Uh, but I, he is he, – he thinks he's Kyle Shanahan. He's not Kyle Shanahan. And there's only a few coaches who really earned that too. right. The coaches where everything must be in service of the scheme are they've never been worse and they are legion right now. Okay. So I'm going to push back on that hard. Number one, he has Desmond Ritter as a quarterback, which again, might be an Whose fault is that? rolling with them. Yeah. I saw someone, maybe it was Eric eager. One of the, one of the guys like that, uh, one of the stats guys, who was just like, has there ever been a quarterback who came in with no competition whatsoever, who was like pre-anointed, who's been as bad <laughs> that was as Eric Ritter? Yes. <laughs> where you're just like, I don't, where you're just like, nope, this is the guy, he's ready. And then he comes in and he's just awful, just awful. Like it wasn't like Zach Wilson this year where it's like, all right, well, he was supposed to do the backup. And then it's like, no, no, Justin Ritter was like anointed. And also all Heineke rumors have been immediately squashed. I know. Immediately. I know. I need him And bad. so – um the one thing, if I were to criticize Smith on anything, the lack of entertaining the idea that the guys who are not getting any targets, who are unbelievable athletes, like the idea that they don't care, because that's always his answer. Yeah, is like, I know. Ask Drake, ask Kyle, know, they don't care. I know, I know. And it's like, and I, I've harped on this on the show before, but it's like, what, when those guys are supposed to get paid in two years or one year, like, is Arthur going to be like, well, here's your here's your projected stats based on your athleticism? No, they're going to be like, you you get 400 yards a year. Here's here's Dan Arnold's contract. Yes, and he said that after a zero catch Drake London game, his the exact quote was, "Drake doesn't care." And like, wouldn't that be bad if Drake London didn't care if he didn't catch it? And I will say too about Arthur Smith and the quarterbacks alibi. That's uh, that's like it's compelling at first. But I think he's like an even more extreme version of Shanny where 
he wants that kind of quarterback. He wants like one hand tied behind yeah. his back, basically, so he can be more center stage. And it can be more about his genius, like his adjustments, his audibles, his mm-hmm. whatever, his blocking scheme for his receivers. And I, I just think he like embraces that. And he probably told the front out, I can win with Desmond Ritter. Like, you think I can't win I, with Desmond I Ritter? I have no doubt. Yeah, and I have no doubt. Uh, he drives me crazy. Um, all right. Let's um, – oh, by the way, it's the answer Sean Payton. <laughs> I, know, I know. Sean Payton uh, has gravely miscalculated, and no one has ever wanted to be on a boat in Lake Pontchartrain just fishing. Or I guess the Gulf of Mexico. He'll go out to the actual Gulf, do some deep-sea fishing. No one has ever wanted to be deep-sea fishing more than Sean Payton at this moment. Also, right? Russell Wilson's playing okay. I know. Well, what's the deal with Russ? Where He did this last year too where he's – it's more extreme this year where he's pretty solid in the first half. And then a- after halftime, it's like the Ford Pinto has run out of gas and like, they have like nothing left, like no adjustments, yeah. no scripted plays left, obviously. And I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a more extreme, like first and second half disparity in terms of offensive performance than Russ kind of last year, but definitely this year. All right. Um, we don't have to spend much time on worst coaching job because again, it, I, I said it already. Uh, dumbest thing a coach has done this season. I have two. What's yours? My first was Frank Reich admitting that David Tepper is Daniel Snyder. <laughs> 2.0 uh, basically signed his death warrant. And, okay, Brandon Staley. I'm not necessarily a Brandon Staley hater, but I, Brandon Staley has let himself get so twisted up into knots about whether he's an analytics guy or whether he's not an analytics guy. And then he makes so many unanalytically sound decisions and he gets buried for it. He gets criticized for it. And I feel like at the least opportune moments, he then lashes out. I'm like, you know what? I am an analytics guy. And the play yeah. against the Vikings, where there's two minutes left. It's fourth and one on their own 24. And again, his favorite, I've tweeted this before, but his favorite fourth down play is always whatever the worst play in Andy Reid's playbook is. That's what <laughs> Brandon Staley loves to approve to be called on fourth down. And I feel like he, he gets so tired of being accused of being an analytics trader that he, at the worst possible moments, goes what he thinks is analytics. And in that situation, he needed to punt the ball, and he did not. And he's so lucky they won that game against the Vikings. But I, everyone's like, oh, they'd leave him on the tarmac if he lost that game. It's like, no, the Spanos family is not going to no, pay out. No. <laughs> no, they're not. It's not going to no. pay out a bunch of money. No. I someone said the other day that the Chargers have the lowest ticket price in the NFL by like a lot. A lot, a lot. It was I was listening to a Bengals podcast, no big deal. And they were talking about how they're raising ticket prices and that how the Bengals actually before this had really low, third lowest ticket prices. And the, the Chargers are just like totally bottom of the barrel. In Los Angeles, nothing is cheap in Los Angeles. Iced coffees are like $9. Yes. And you can go see Chargers. You can see Chargers with Justin Herbert throwing the king out. Do you think, I'm not asking this as a bit. Do you think the Chargers are the third most popular team in L.A.? After the Rams and the Raiders, no, I think it's. I think I, I legitimately think it's it's more than that. You, I think it's. You think a 49ers more popular in LA? Rams, yes, I think it's Rams, Raiders, uh, Niners. Private. I'd say the Chargers, Cowboys, but I, 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 yeah, I was gonna say the Cowboys are would not be far off, no. man. And like, it's funny because the Raiders, I'd heard theories about how the Rams didn't want to share a stadium with the Raiders because of the dormant fan base that was there. Not dormant. They show up every time they play, but just like, that'd be such a nightmare for them. Cause I had friends who, uh, 
grew up without an NFL team because most of my generation would have, right? Or like they were like three and they were like, what's going on? There's a football team here. It's leaving. Okay, see ya. <laughs> yeah. And they all were hoping the Raiders would come back. These are normal, well-adjusted people who were just like, the Raiders are cool. It would be cool if they played in the stadium. So they actually waited to make sure that nobody else was coming. Because remember that the Raiders had the option if the Chargers didn't have option. They did. Um, I knew far too much about so like everybody this was a St. Louis resident. Yeah, I remember. And so the, the, the Rams immediately exercised the option. There was no doubt there. But there was a year there where it was like, maybe the Raiders are going to come here. And um, they did not. And so now I don't think those people like football now. I think no. they were Raiders, Raiders or football. Raiders are no football people. Um, all right. I have two dumbest things that Coach did this season. One is might be unfair, but it's Robert Sala doubling and tripling down on Zach Wilson. That might be a Joe Douglas thing. I'm going to put it. I'm going to put it separate. Okay. Here's the actual dumbest thing. It's Mike, and, and this is something that I unfortunately bought into, and now I am just so viciously against it. It's Mike McCarthy saying, you know what this franchise needs? More Mike McCarthy. <laughs> no one has ever asked for more Mike. Kind of like no one had ever asked for more Bill O'Brien. They asked for more, less Matt Patricia. They had not asked for more Bill O'Brien. And, and, and they, were, they were like, hey, he was like, I got a play caller here that people like. And he's trying. He's unfortunately scoring points, so we we can't that have that. Very bad. But uh, and, but I actually think Kellen Moore is overrated. But I also think like the option is not the the solution. Is not Brian Schottenheimer as like a guy who puts the cones out, right? And then Mike <laughs> McCarthy saying, "I'm gonna, I'm here, I come," and um, that has not paid paid dividends. I would say like it, you got to know your limitations. Like one thing, like I am, I, I joked about this earlier, right? But like I'm a huge dumbass on baseball. <laughs> So let's say Omaha or ESPN was like, hey, man, we, you know, bench, bench is a little thin. It's October. A lot of people are traveling right now. So we don't really have anybody on, on Friday. We need you to do baseball tonight. We need you to pop in there to the seaport and do baseball tonight. I know my limitations. I wouldn't be like, it's me time. <laughs> I would like say as few words as possible. I would just be like Braves. And then I would just let. You'd be like, I don't Let, know if Cashman's uh, done a good job. A Rod talk. Yeah, I don't know if Cashman did. I wouldn't even say that. I would just go Brian Cashman <laughs> and then Ayla A Rod take it wherever he wanted to do. Wanted to go. The other day, I had Mitch Schwartz on the show, and I literally, and not that I don't know football, I know like four things about football. Um, but I literally, he's a literal former tackle for the Chiefs, and all I said to him was Juwan Taylor, <laughs> because how and what I am going to ask is not going to be a good enough question for someone who processes it and played the exact yes. position. So I just, that's my job. Just go, Juwan Taylor, here you go. Just start talking. And it was great. And he was amazing. And he talked about all the things. So Mike McCarthy is basically me when I'm talking to someone and I'm out of my depth, except Mike McCarthy was like, I'm just going to let this one rip and call. And this is going to be Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy centric franchise. And it's just not even, it's not even like it's weird Hawaiian shirt, Mike McCarthy. It's just like the exact same giant winter coat, Green Bay, Mike McCarthy doing the exact yeah. same things that got him fired in Green Bay. And it's like so dispiriting, so tough to, there's like no upside to anything going on in the offense. So no. it'd be one thing, yeah, if he was trying to be like, like divorced dad, Mike McCarthy, but he's just Mike McCarthy. Right. Still. I saw he, um, he is going for it. There's a, like five teams tied with like having not gone for it this season on fourth down when they should. And the Cowboys are one of them. There's a couple of them. And Just like not literally not once going, being like, I'm going to go, I should go for it. I'm going to go. I will, for it. The only, if I have to proffer like a Mike McCarthy defense, the only thing I'll say is mm. they have 
they have like it's been like illegal for them to have a normal game script this year either negative or positive like they have yet to play like a single straightforward football game where they're either annihilating someone getting annihilated whatever happened with the cardinals i think there is hope with the chargers this week this really should be like a mm-hmm. shootout of there just actually being a normal cowboys game and maybe we'll see a little more of mike mccarthy's supposed plan all right last thing for you um so you reason I have you on just so everybody knows at Roto World and NBC Sports is that you do a coaching ranking one through thirty two, and we've talked and on my old show we talked about how the worst shows are, excuse me, the worst, the worst show is this one. <laughs> um, speaking of rankings, all podcast rankings, the word I saw the word shows as I was talking. That's like a classic like five year old just like accidentally seeing a word and. The worst uh, coaches are better than they used to be. Yes. Like, there's not a lot of pre-fired guys. Like, there's the Josh McDaniels of the world. But, like, I would be surprised if Brandon Staley saves his job this year. There's no, like, pre-fired guys, right? Um, but still, there's a lot of mediocrity in this league. Um, and so, anyway, the question is, which coach, good or bad, is going to move the most in Pat's rankings Next I'll give you two quick answers. The, the most good is going to be Mike McDaniel. Because I was really excited about Mike McDaniel. It was nine and eight, one season of the job. We've seen so many times where a guy will get off to like a hot start to their career. Like they get immediately anointed. But I, I try to react slowly in the rankings, sometimes a little too slowly. I had Mike McDaniel only 17th. I don't, I don't, they could like lose, they could be like well under 500 the rest of the year. And I would still move Mike McDaniel mm-hmm. up a lot because he's just clearly a special football coach. The one who I think might be in danger of a big negative move is I, – I, do you know what's going on with John Harbaugh? I, it's like, how, it seems like bad <laughs> luck. Like how many times can a coach be unlucky? Um, like, yeah. like, So a lot of weird stuff. The Steelers game, yeah, they shouldn't drop eight passes. But I got totally hung up on the late Lamar Jackson interception. I just casually heard – I think the announcer say – it wasn't announced. It was someone after the game tweeted – Lamar Jackson had never thrown an end zone fade in his entire career before. And John Harbaugh apparently called – John Harbaugh's not the play caller, but approved the first end zone fade of Lamar Jackson's entire career, like the most critical moment of the game, and he throws a pick. I feel like this stuff is happening to John Harbaugh so much the past two or three years that I'm just wondering if, if maybe it's not just bad luck and he's creating his own bad luck and maybe he's getting a little bit of the Belichick syndrome where he was so good for so long but is like out of answers for whatever the new stuff going on around him is, even though he has like a progressive reputation and all that. Yeah. I, I just feel like maybe he has lost his Ravens fastball. Possible uh, question for you um, that I didn't prepare you for the best type of question, just yeah. completely reckless, throwing it out, putting you on the spot. Uh, it's called being a good host. Um, Harbaugh and Belichick, let's say they're both in the open market in February of this year, January of this year. Who gets more calls? Definitely Belichick. I think most people would still – maybe only the age would prevent that. I think a lot of people, myself – No, that, that's why That's why I'm – I still think a lot of people, myself included, would take three or four years of Belichick, and they would, they would love a clean slate Belichick. Like, the Belichick operation has, like, so many tentacles in New England at this point. Like, you can almost see how they're having trouble rebooting and moving on from the Brady era because – the roots are so deep where maybe even he fantasizes about having a clean slate somewhere. I think most front offices, most ownership groups probably know you don't, you don't really think further ahead than two or three or maybe three or four years anyway. And that Belichick is such a junkie. They know he's not going to like retire. And you probably view it as a three or four year proposition. 
I would take three or four years of Belichick over Harbaugh. I think most front offices would probably still convince themselves of that. Roto Pat, he's got the the, uh, the pod with Denny Carter. I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to it. I guess I don't think you have a new episode out today. No, I listened we, to it no, yesterday. We, well, we, we have we do have it. Well, not out range. today. We're recording a new episode out today, out this evening, out Friday morning. Hurry, Roto World Football hurry. Show. We're I'm going to golf range later. I need to grind. Hurry. Secrets in the dirt. Um, all right, see you, buddy. Thank you so much as always. My pleasure.